Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. This week, we're going to open up our Bibles, and uh, I really do feel like God gave me a word for you today about being attracted by the promises. Being attracted by the promises of God. And uh, really excited for this this morning. And again, if you're new today to our church, I'm going to open up the Bible. I'm going to read 10 verses. I'm going to pray. I usually lift up uh, all of you in prayer and the Lakers. And I'm praying for a championship in Southern California this year. And uh, after we pray, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna tell a couple stories. And I'm going to tie everything that I say in the beginning to basically a landing pad of a few takeaway points that you can take home and think about this week. I was talking to Katie and Jesse this week, and uh, she was, she's a preacher, by the way. And uh, Katie was telling us, she goes, she was encouraging one of her friends. She goes, that's why I take notes at church, so I can go back during the week and remind myself of what's happened and what's happening, and it stirs me up again. I said, you're preaching on Sunday. But um, I want to encourage you to take notes, and uh, at the very end, after the points, uh, unlike a lot of churches, I'm going to actually open up opportunity. If you're not living with God and for God, you can today. And not only that, can you rededicate your heart to Jesus? I want to tell you something, something just as cool. Is I believe that God is going to heal people today. I believe that God is going to bless people today. I believe that some of you, God is going to liberate from addictions and, and phobias and fears. And there's even other people in the room today that God is going to restore some things. And I'm really excited about it. Isn't that good? I would like to just, uh, if I could get rolling today, I would love to just to remind you that the good news is good. And churches aren't empty because preachers are telling lies. They're empty because they're not sharing the good news in an engaging way. And so my hope today is if it's okay, can I tell a couple jokes? I think you can be theologically straight as a gum barrel and just as empty. I want to make sure that we have a fun time today. Is that all right? So we're going to see some power, but we're going to have a good time in the process. So why don't you pray with me as we get started? Actually, let's go to Luke chapter 7 first. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Need a second say, hold up. All right, Luke chapter 7. It says this, uh, Jesus, when he concluded all of his sayings and the hearing of the people, he actually entered into Capernaum. And uh, certain centurion, say with me, centurion. It's the guy that owns American Express. Kidding. Uh, Entered Capernaum, and uh, this centurion servant, uh, this this particular uh, centurion had a servant uh, who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. He was sick and he was ready to die. So when the centurion heard about Jesus, he heard, say with me, heard. Something about hearing that's important. He heard about Jesus that he actually sent for the elders of the Jews uh, to go to Jesus and to plead with Jesus to come and to heal his servant. So when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly saying, hey, would you please, would you please come um, and do this this, this this great miracle, this guy is deserving. This centurion, he's not Jewish, but he loves our nation, and he has actually built us a church. He's built us a synagogue. Jesus went with them. And when they were already not too far from the house, the centurion sent some of his friends to Jesus, saying, he said, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy. Say with me, worthy. Very interesting. I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. My wife jokes me. I, I usually say roof wrong. I say it like dog. Come on, roof, 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 roof. Wash, wash. 
Aluminum? Aluminium? All right, tough crowd. We'll keep going. Says this, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof of my house. And he says this, um, therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word. But say the word. Help me out, oceans. But say the word and my servant will, will be healed. For I also man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. I tell one of my soldiers to go, and he goes. I tell another one of my soldiers to come, and he comes. And my servant to do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at the centurion. He turned around to everybody in the crowd following him and said, Hey, I'm telling you guys, I have not found such great faith, not even amongst my own people in Israel. He marveled. And those uh, who were with him, he sent, returned to the house and found he who was sick well. There was a, a miracle. And I want you to know the Bible was not written as a, just a historical book to tell us the miracles that God has done. It was, it was written as a book to give us ammunition to build our faith, to remind us what God can still do. 14 people believe it in this tent. I'm telling you, we're going we're to have a good time. Someone say attracted by it. I want to talk to you today about what attracts God. Is that all right? Father, I pray that you would show up in a mighty way today. I thank you for what you're doing in oceans. I thank you for what you're doing in this season. Revival tent season. I ask you today as it's hotter than usual and we're only doing one service, which is unusual, that you would do something unusually awesome. Would you meet us where we are, whether we're watching online and we're suicidal? Our God, we're in this tent and we're passionate for you. I pray whether we're a skeptic or whether we're convinced that you would meet us today where we are. In, 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 uh, I pray that you would just even now insert faith into our souls. We ask you to bless the Lakers, bless Orange County. In Jesus' name, somebody say it. Amen. A, A, come on, A, amen, amen. We're going to have a good time. Who wants to have a good time today? If you like boring churches, you're dismissed. We're going to have a good time. Can I tell a couple jokes? Is that all right? Let's think about this. Uh, any married people in here? Where's my married people at? I always, I always try to, I think that's the easiest thing for me to reach into is marriage. I've been married now. September 30th will be 15 years. Pretty excited about that. We got married young, and um, I'm excited. I, I've been married. I married the woman of my dreams, and uh, she was out of my league. I love what, uh, even what Bridget said, and she was my female Boaz. She was godly, good looking, and my sugar mama. Come on, somebody. And uh, I remember we got married, and, uh, you know, my wife is very proper. She, she really doesn't. I, my wife isn't like me. I, I could live in Nike sweats. Where's my Nike people at? Come on, Reverend Estrella, you know what I'm talking about. I could live in dry fit apparel with, like, tennis shoes. I could literally live flip-flops, board shorts, athletic shorts. If it's comfortable, come on, let's wear this thing. Best part of moving to California is no one knew us for about, uh, about six months. And I just dressed as trashy as you could imagine. I'm like, babe, there is no consequences right now. And my wife, I told Rochelle, I'm like, babe, you can wear whatever you want. No one knows you here. And my wife still, my brothers call my wife Five Star. That is her nickname. She does not dress down. It's always up. Um, I'm telling you, she'll, she'll, wear heels, uh, she'll wear heels to the post office stilettos come on to whole foods i'm like rochelle come on like settle anyways i love my wife and uh she's very i would say polished 
She is posh. She is proper. I'm convinced that she spent the first 18 years of her life with books on her head. And uh, no, I, she's very, very much so. She knows protocol. She knows how to, she knows how to talk to anybody. She knows how to talk to uh, uh, everybody's and, and people that nobody knows. She, she talks to everybody, homeless people, celebrities. She just knows people. She knows circumstances. She's polished. I always, always kind of take notes of how she is and what she does, and she's so refined. And I'm like, man, I'm just like a ghetto kid from Palmdale, California. And um, my wife... So polished. And so uh, she's a very proper, very, very proper uh, person. And yesterday, uh, just yesterday, we were with my family. My father-in-law was in town for the day. And we went to Cafe Hermosa. And who likes Cafe Hermosa, San Clemente? And we were there. We, we were eating outside. It was 114. I was the only one at the table sitting in the sun. And it was interesting. My wife is so, so dignified. But there was a bee. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around someone that has been around a bee. I don't know if some of you have the same maybe issue that my wife does with bees. Bees, mice, and spiders, and snakes fall into the same category for my wife. She will make us move out of our house if there is a mouse. And so there was a bee yesterday, and we started eating, and it kind of flew by the table. But for some reason, it was, it was attracted to my wife. Like, I was going to file a restraining order. Um... This bee was getting out of control, and my wife is so, again, she's so dignified, she's so polished, she's so pure, she's so, but all of a sudden, this bee, like, started coming after her, and all of a sudden, my dignified wife starts swatting, squatting, running, shifting her body, shooing away the bee, and it looked like she was, she was moving like she was in the club, and uh, my, my sweet wife, I'm like, and it was funny, no one saw the bee. But everybody saw Rochelle's moves. And she had moves like Jagger. You know what I'm talking about? Like she was, she was moving. She was swatting, moving. It, it looked like somebody that walked through a spider web. You ever seen that? It's like you don't see the web, but you see the reaction. It was the same thing. Rochelle swatting and she's moving. and Just sprinkler. It was powerful. And uh, literally, I'm like, I'm falling out of my chair laughing. She could not get away from this bee. She ran like 25 yards away. The bee is like, no, you ain't getting away. Bee, bee hunts her down, stalks her. She runs inside. Bee follows her inside. She comes back out. She's like swatting. She sits down. She's trying to take a bite of food. She's running. And literally, she has a little purse. And uh, this bee, not only does it continue to follow her, but the bee actually, uh, it tries to army crawl inside of her purse. We didn't realize it, but that bee was obsessed with Rochelle's perfume. For a while, I'm like, this bee just has good taste. This bee knows good looking when he sees it, right? But after a while, I realized it wasn't my wife's good looks. It was her smell. And it, it, it wanted to get inside of her purse because she has this little, you know, this little alabaster. <laughs> kidding. That's how much it costs. Um, but, uh alabaster jar of oil it's for Jesus burial and um, I was uh, she uh, this bee this bee was so attracted so attracted to the scent I was thinking about this as I was praying this week and oftentimes God will pull a 
a situation from my week to illustrate a truth that he wants to feed, your, feed God's people with. And I was thinking about how this bee was out there and everybody was present, but for some reason there was something on Rochelle that attracted the bee. There was something about everybody else that wasn't interesting. But there was something on Rochelle that actually captured the imagination. It actually caused this worm to swarm. It caused the bee to swarm. It was, it actually, something about her perfume caused the being of persistent of this bee. Tough crowd. And I was thinking about this, that God, God like the bee is moving all over the earth. But there's something about faith that attracts God. There is something about belief that attracts God. I believe that faith is the perfume of heaven. I actually believe that faith is what gets God's attention. There's something about belief. Now, before you check me out and tune me out and, and change, change the channel or podcast or whatever you do these days. When I was growing up, we didn't have TV remotes. My mom would smack me in the head and say, Channel 12. Another story. I'm telling you that, that today, uh, I, I really do believe we're living in a window of time that people do not have a belief. They do not believe that God is going to move. People do not believe that God can redeem California. People do not believe that God can redeem the political injustice of the world. They don't believe that, they can, that God can redeem uh, racial uh, things that are unjust in the, in the racial spectrum of our civilization. People think that how it is is how it will always be. Many prescribe to this persuasion that it's going to continue to get worse. The problem with the theology that says it's going to keep getting worse is it requires no faith. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So why would a theology that says, well, it's just going to keep getting worse. We're going to wait till heaven. That theology requires zero faith. Do you know it takes no faith to believe that it's going to go down the drain? It takes no faith that it's going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. The second law of thermodynamics is that it's going to go from order to chaos. That requires zero faith. What requires faith is that God is a God that can intervene. I was thinking about this, that bees are attracted to perfume, right? There was something in the perfume that attracted this bee. Faith is powerful. Many people don't realize that faith if you want to write this down, it's a certainty. Faith is a persuasion. Faith is a conviction. Faith is, that, is a belief that something is true and you're worth standing on it. You're, you're willing to stand on it. Faith is of knowing in your knower. I don't know why I believe this. I don't know. I don't even know if I should believe this. But for some reason, I can't get away that God wants to do something powerful. Faith is a knowing on the inside. And I actually believe that many times we live as believers never believing for anything. I want you to write this down. I think God, I heard this phrase. I remember I was reading through an autobiography of Oral Roberts' life, and one of his key phrases God brought to my attention even last night when I was studying was, expect a miracle. Would you write that down? I think many times we live expecting nothing from God. We expect discouragement. We expect bad news. We expect to barely make it, maybe make it. We expect to survive. Come on, say with me. Expect a miracle. I believe that God wants you to believe him for something great. I think God is actually willing to do more than we're willing to believe him for. 
I think many people are going to get to heaven and realize there was resources, there was opportunities in earth that we never accessed because we never believed. Belief is what gets God's attention. Belief is powerful. It's, it's a conviction. Do you know that in the Bible there was only two people that God had to do a double take? And it says that he marveled because of the way they believed. Not hundreds, not thousands, there was two. You know what the interesting thing about, I was studying this last week. The only two people that attracted Jesus and warranted a response of great faith, neither one of them were Jewish. Neither one of them were quote-unquote believers. Both people that had great faith were both pagans. Both people that had great faith didn't observe the law. Both people that had great faith did not live the lifestyle that you should live to ask God for something great. But I believe that he gives us a great illustration that great faith has nothing to do with your goodness. It has everything to do with God's goodness. And I love this passage. If I could jump into this today. I believe that we're going to be a church in a, in a, in a turbulent time that's going to actually attract God's power. I believe that we're going to attract God's miracles. I believe that we're going to be one of the great churches in California that attracts God's restorative power. People are saying God's given up on California. We're moving out. We're selling out. We're getting out. I believe that God is coming in. And he's looking for people that would believe him that he's not finished with this state. I heard a, I heard a really prophetic guy even right this week that God remembers California. He remembers a half-blind black man by the name of William Seymour at Azusa Street in 1907. He remembers the origins of the Pentecostal movement at Azusa Street. He remembers the 1960s hippie people movement. He remembers the Jesus people movement. He remembers the origins of the charismatic movement in Van Nuys, California. Listen, there is a lot of darkness being propagated in California right now. But listen, God remembers. And God is looking for people that will continue to believe that not only has God done it, but God can do it again. Throughout history, God has waited for turbulent, uncertain economies, turbulent, uncertain economic, uh, uh, governmental, uh, political, there it is, uh, settings. I had a joke. I just held it back. If you guys knew how much I held back, you think I'm way funnier than I am. Listen, there are so many times throughout history that it shouldn't have happened, that it couldn't have happened, but God did it anyways. I want to remind you that God likes bad odds. I want you to write this down. You plus God is always the majority power. God does not need everybody to vote in his favor for him to move. God doesn't need every Christian in California to say he can for him to move. God wants to do it better, faster, and, and even now with all of us. Someone say it with me, faith. Faith is what attracts God. Faith is expectation in the invisible. You know what faith is? Expectation. Write this down. Expectation is seeing something that, that's in God that's not there yet. Faith is seeing something in God, expecting something in God that's not there yet. Hebrews 11 says that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet. Say it with me, not yet. How many say there's some things in California that need to happen, but they haven't happened? Faith is a substance. It's a tangible substance of things hope for the evidence of things not yet seen. I heard one preacher say that faith is like old school ice trays, that you pour water into the ice tray, 
And faith is like putting water in the tray and putting it in the freezer, and God freezes that thing. He actually changes it from a substance into a hard reality. I believe that God is looking for believers that believe him for something great. Bees were attracted to Rochelle's perfume like God is attracted to faith. This centurion did a few things. And I wrote, I had some observations about the woman in Matthew chapter 15. And interesting enough, two great faith stories, two of them. Neither one of the, the great faith people were Jewish. And here's what else was interesting is in both cases, uh, they had great faith, but it wasn't rooted in their lifestyle. It wasn't rooted in their church attendance. It wasn't rooted in their Bible knowledge. And I want to just, if I could squash a few things right out of the gate. Great faith is not the amount of biblical knowledge of, that you have. Great faith is not how many scriptures you have memorized and you recite. Great faith is about knowing God and responding to how good he is. Did you hear that? Great faith is about knowing God and responding to how good he is. Great faith is, is interesting. Great faith has nothing to do with the quantity of your faith. Great faith has nothing to do with you have a big faith, you have small faith, you have extra measure of faith. Faith is, great faith is not about quantity or size. Great faith is about difficulty. So in the Bible, in the biblical world, scholars would say that they, they kind of break, the, break down faith, is they say when someone has great faith, it's when they have the ability to believe for something that's really difficult. These people, this is interesting, both of these people saw a miracle for someone that wasn't even there physically. They weren't even in the church meeting and they got healed anyways. And, and so great faith wasn't connected to how much they had. It was connected to actually what they were willing to believe for. Little faith is when you believe for easier things. Little faith is like believing that, yeah, I, I screw up sometimes. Yeah, I'm not very good. Yeah, I need redemption. Yeah, Jesus lived. Jesus taught. Jesus died. We've heard that so much, it doesn't require great faith. And I believe many churches settle for little faith, but God wants to see sons and daughters that believe him for even the difficult. How many believe that God can do the difficult still? God can still do the impossible. I was reading through this this week, and I started, I started just kind of getting stuck in my soul, is that God is attracted to faith. I believe that attractive faith, number one, if you're taking notes, number one, attractive faith is actually produced by what you hear. I believe some of you need to turn off the news and just start loving your neighbor. Come on, if I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. Come on, help me out. Presbyterian eyebrow raise, Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on, give me something today. I'm telling you that many of us, we, are, we don't realize that faith and fear are both airborne. More contagious than a virus, more contagious than a cold. Faith and fear are airborne. And when you're watching all the time that you're going to die and that you're not going to make it and your business is going to go under and the, and the world's going to hell and California's best days are behind it, guess what gets into your, your spirit? Fear. Fear is faith in reverse. Fear is faith in the inferior. Do you know what faith and fear have in common? Is they're both forecasting an unforeseen future. Do you know that? 
Do you know that fear lives in two words? You know what it lives, or three words. It lives in three words. I don't know. Do you know where fear grows? In those three words. I don't know. Are we going to get out of this? I don't know. Is it going to get better? I don't know. Is God going to restore your marriage? I don't know. Is God going to save your son? I don't know. There's something about not knowing that breeds fear. But even when you don't know, saying this phrase, I know. I know. What do you know? Faith lives in two words, I know. I know. What do you know? Well, here's some things that I know. Can you write them down today for me? I know that God can. I know that he can. I know that not only can God can, I know that God will. I know that God can. I know that God will. I know that God sees. And I know that God can help. Can I get a real amen up in here? Do you know why we have faith? Because God can. Do you know why we say we believe? Because God will. Do you know why we are people of faith? Because we say God sees. Why are we fired up? Because God can help. And many times we don't believe God for anything because we don't believe that we know anything. I know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that the grave is empty. I know that my faith is not futile. I know that God is still alive. And I'm telling you that when you get faith into your soul, faith, attractive faith is produced by hearing God. Do you know what it says in Luke chapter 7? It says, when he heard about Jesus. Do you know the centurion had a servant that was almost dead? And it wasn't until he heard a story about Jesus healing someone that was almost dead that he actually had the faith to believe. Some of you go, I don't know why, but at church, when I watch the messages, it has a way of building up my soul. You know what it is? It's faith comes by Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the words of some of you go, Mark, well, I, 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 I've read the Bible, but it doesn't really do anything for me. And the problem is, is that faith is only recreated when we actually hear and believe. You know, it actually says this in Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 2, that the words that you heard didn't profit you anything because you did not mix it with faith when you heard it. Do you know there's something about saying, I'm going to listen to the preaching, but then I'm going to mix it with some faith. So many people, they listen to church services or they read their Bibles, but they do not believe what they're hearing. Do you realize that, that faith is the electricity that turns on the TV? I always say this, you can have a 95-inch, come on, Orange County, flat screen television, but if you have no power in your house, you will never see what that thing is capable of. Faith isn't just electricity. Faith is cement. I'm, you could have the Bugatti Veyron. I love cars. One day someone's, I'm going to get a Corvette. Come on. Poor man's Ferrari. And I'm telling you, I love fast cars. I love, I love, I love going fast. I love avoiding police officers on the road. Come on, somebody. I've been pulled over. They say, did you know how fast you're going? I'm like, yeah, I have a speedometer. What I didn't know is where you were parked. Come on. I love fast cars. Bugatti Veyron, fastest car, right? One of the fastest cars in the world. Zero to 60, sub three seconds. Goes 256 miles an hour stock. It goes so fast that it literally at 256 miles an hour, you will burn the tires out in 12 minutes. That's how fast that car goes. But you'll never burn the tires out because at 256 miles an hour, you'll run out of gas in nine minutes. Here's what's interesting. Bugatti Veyron's, 
on a dirt road will never show you what they're capable of. Because listen to me. Certain vehicles, certain powerful forces, they need the right environment to operate. And I'm telling you that faith is what gives God a runway. Faith is what gives God some blacktop. It's what gives God a, a, whatever that is. Many times we don't see what God is capable of because we don't give him any faith. We don't give him any belief. Faith attracts God. And we produce faith by hearing God's words. It's airborne. Fear's airborne. Confusion is airborne. But anger is airborne. But the Bible says so is faith. You get around someone that's faith-filled. I love being around someone that believes that God still can. I don't, I don't need come on, I don't need Debbie Downer hanging out with me. I don't need 14 Karens. Come on, somebody. I don't need somebody. I don't need you to be the, the cover girl for the Book of Lamentations. I know why life shouldn't, but I need to know why God can. I believe we live in an era of time that courage is a premium. Information rich, but courage poor in this window. And I believe that God is looking for believers that say, you know, I believe that God still can. God is attracted to people that that are, are producing faith by listening to him. And not only is attractive faith uh, produced by hearing God, attractive faith is actually others-oriented. I wrote this down. You know the centurion? This blows my mind. He was going with great faith to bat for someone he wasn't even related to. He was desperate for the power of God, and it wasn't even for himself. You know where great faith comes from? It comes from non-selfish people. It, listen, it's easy to pray a big miracle prayer when you get stage four cancer. But how do you respond to God when someone else gets sick? How do you respond to God when someone else is struggling? I believe that great faith, attractive faith, is others-oriented. What do you mean? It's when you have a compassion for the suffering. Luke, Luke, Luke 7, 2 says that he was, he was literally burdened because his servant was dear to him. It says he was dear to him. Do you know that in Bible days, centurions were officers? They oversaw a 60 to 100 troops. They were upper, they were, they were white-collar workers. They were affluent people. They had power. I want to remind you that in this window of time, the Romans were overseeing the Jews. Jews were inferior so literally, for this guy to go, I have a servant, and um, I want my servant to be made well. He's sick. This guy goes to bat for somebody in those day and age that was replaceable. I want you to think about this. This guy hurt for, for something that no one else hurt for. Can I ask you, what are you hurting for that's not just you or your family? God convicts me all the time. He says, Mark, you can't just believe me for great things for people that have your last name. You gotta have you gotta have my heart for other people. You see, I believe that what attracts God is faith that actually is others oriented, faith that's compassionate for the suffering that's around us. I believe the day that God wants to have faith for those that are actually in need of forgiveness. I was praying last night. Check this out. Everyone, look at me. I believe some of you you've been carrying shame and guilt. Some of you've been carrying this this deep. Uh, this deep shame of, man, I just feel like so heavy. I feel so, so worthless. I made stupid decisions. I'm undeserving of God's love. 
I got news for you that I can feel God's compassion for those of you that are suffering with, with unforgiveness. There's people that are dealing with unforgiveness in themselves. There's people I can feel that are suffering in their bodies. You need healing in your body. There's people in here that you're in bondage to addictions. You're like, Mark, I'm not addicted, but you can't stop doing it. Can't stop smoking it. Can't stop watching it. Can't stop drinking it. I want you to know that I feel God's compassion today. That he is a God that actually has a power to liberate the addicted. That's great faith. And I believe there's freedom here today. Healing, freedom. And some of you feel like, man, I am cursed. Well, guess what? The Bible says Jesus died on the cross to lift the curse. To actually bless his kids. Oh, no, this is one of those blessing churches. One of those faith churches. What is my alternative? You want to go to one of those cursed out churches? Yeah, I go to that church that believes for nothing. I go to that church that just believes we're all cursed. We're all going to hell. I think there's so much bad theology floating around that sometimes when we hear the good news, we're like, oh my gosh, that sounds good. That's why it's called the gospel. It's good news. He forgives. He heals. He redeems. He blesses. He restores. Amen? Come on, give him a real hand clap today. God's good. There is something about the attractive nature of faith that is others-oriented. And this centurion and this, this Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, they teach us not only is faith produced by hearing God, not only is it others-oriented, but attractive faith, I want you to write this down, it's rooted in God's goodness, not yours. You know why many times we don't believe God for great things? Because we think it's determined by how good we are. How many verses we read that week? How, how many minutes we prayed that week? How many good deeds we did that week? And if we're not careful, our gospel turns into this dead religion that creates legalism and not life. God does not want us to be legalistic people that are beating ourselves up because we're not getting miracles because we're not good enough. I want to remind you that this, this, this is crazy. If, if there's any non-Jew in the Bible that deserved to actually think that he was good enough to earn or, or, or merit a miracle, it's our friend here, the centurion. This centurion, what do we know about him? What does it say? It says that he loved the Jewish nation. That was rare, very rare. And not only did he love the Jewish nation, which made him very unusual, but he actually, he loved, he actually built the Jewish nation a synagogue. Can you imagine if you didn't have to love the church? Let's say you were atheist, but you still gave tons of money to build a church, physically build it and start orphanages and to help God's people. Listen, if there was anyone that deserved to say, I'm calling in a favor, it was our boy, the centurion. But notice here that he says this phrase. He doesn't say, hey, please come. I built a synagogue. Please come. I love the Jews. You know what he says? He says, please come, but know this, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. He says, I'm unworthy. This is crazy to me because he realized that great faith, attractive faith, is not rooted in humanity's goodness. It is rooted in the goodness of Jesus. This guy loved the, the Jewish nation. He built church buildings, but he said, my perfect deeds are like filthy rags compared to the goodness of God. And I believe that when you realize that we're going to believe God for great things, but it's not because of how good we are. 
not because how much you prayed this week. It's not how many days you fasted this week. It's not how many verses you memorized this week. It's the fact that we know that God is a good, really good God. And he still does really, really good things. That's what our faith is in. Are you still with me? Stace can come up here on the keys. I believe that attractive faith is rooted in God's goodness. And how about this? Attractive faith believes in the unlimited authority of Jesus. Unlimited authority of Jesus. Many people think, how many would say, I believe in a God that's powerful enough to forgive me my sins. Would you just raise your hand? Come on, vote real quick. First voting of the year right here. You believe that God can forgive you your sins. How many believe that God could, uh, God could answer a prayer? Would you raise your hands? You believe in answer prayer? Maybe give you a job? Better job? Raise? Bonus? Spouse? Hey! Single ready to mingle? Listen, if we believe these things, but why is it we have this, almost this block in our brain that goes God can forgive, God can save, God can answer, but I don't know if God can heal. I don't look, God can heal a headache maybe, but not cancer. God can, he can heal maybe, he can heal like a broken heart, but he couldn't heal a broken leg. And I would like, if I could, I would like to remind you that nothing is hard for God. And if nothing is hard, nothing is easy. I always remind you guys this, but we think in terms of humanity that lifting a small rock for us is a lot easier than lifting a boulder. But I want to remind you that a boulder and a small rock is the same to God. He's not operating with our operating system. I want to remind you that he who made the iPad does not live inside of the iPad. Steve Jobs does not live inside of this thing. The creator of the iPad lives outside of it. People say, well, Mark, science disproves the Christianity. It does not. Science explains Christianity. If you were to come up here and explain this iPad, completely dismantle it, and then show me what all the pieces do and what they mean and how they work, that does not disprove the existence of a creator. If anything, it makes you respect the creator even more. That he engineered this thing. He designed this thing. He lives outside of this thing. He's not limited to this thing. And I want to remind you that God created the heavens and the earth and those that dwell therein. He's not limited to this time. He's not limited to this space. And that's why I love this is a long-range miracle. This is God teeing it up, come on, over here and driving it 900 yards over there. This guy says, just say the word and my servant will be made well. You don't have to come underneath my roof. Roof? Roof? We know this acts. What does he say? Peter tells Cornelius, he says, you know that normally good Jews don't come into the house of Gentiles. This, this centurion was so honoring that he actually says, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. My ceiling. Start saying ceiling so I don't mess this up. <laughs> I'm telling you that there was something in the centurion that was so humble and so honoring that he said, God, I want you to know that I believe that you can do anything from anywhere. Write this down. Space, time, sickness, and disease are not barriers with God. God can move past time. God can heal someone that's watching this message two years from now. You might be watching this message in 2022. And I'm praying it's better than this year. And listen, God can heal someone later in this week. God can listen. He's not limited to here and now. The same power that's here will be there. 
And I've learned this in, in days past that if God's breath is on it in a moment now, it's amazing that when you share it in the future, it's still there. God is a God that still moves, that still speaks. He's not limited to time, space, sickness, diseases. This is a long distance miracle. Write this down, healed at a distance. I believe some of you know this today, that God can heal you even when you're at a distance. Well, I'm not living for God, He can heal at a distance. I'm not in love with Jesus, He can heal you at a distance. I, I, I didn't come from a Christian family, that's all right, God can heal at a distance. You are not limited to your pedigree. Doesn't matter how much money you have, what family you were raised in, what your last name is, God can meet you at a distance. And great faith that attracts God goes, God, you are not limited to time and space. You can heal anything, anytime, anywhere. Faith is. Faith is. Faith is. Notice that the, the author of Hebrews does not say faith was. It doesn't say faith will be. Faith calls God's power into the immediate. Call, faith calls God's attention into the now. Are you hearing me? It calls it at the now. It's easy to believe one day things will be better. That's easy to say, well, back then God was good. It takes faith to go, God, do it today. Do it here. Let it start now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I believe many times we don't realize this, but attractive faith, not only does it believe in an unlimited authority of Jesus, great faith that attracts God like a bee, is actually attractive faith that lives in this phrase. I want you to write this phrase down. Even if, not what if. Fear lives in a phrase. What if? What if the economy goes south? What if that president gets elected? What if things don't get better? What if there is rioting? What if there is more lawlessness? What if there is more brokenness? What if California gets worse? What if, what if, what if, listen to me. Fear is forecasting the future with two words, what if. But faith is forecasting the future. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who in Daniel chapter three, verse 17 said, hey, Nebuchadnezzar king, our God is able to do anything. But even, but even if he doesn't, we have way too many fair-weather Christians. I'll serve God if he answers my prayers. I'll serve God if he scratches my itch. I'll serve God if he's my little genie. God, is, he owes you zero. I was reminded this week, I was like, God, you are so stinking good. We were trying to get a house and it sold and we're trying to believe for this and it wasn't available and we got outbid on one house. And, and I was just thinking, man, God, even, you know, you don't owe me anything. And I just want you to know, if nothing good happens this week, nothing good happens this next month, you don't owe me anything. But I want you to know, I believe in you even if. So many people have this, this like, like contingency with God that I'll only serve you if everything goes my way. But I want you to tell you this, that you want, you want God army crawling into your purse. Let me tell you what, what he's attracted to. He's attracted to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that go, hey, even if it doesn't happen, even if it doesn't go our way, I still believe. And listen to me, I do believe it's gonna get better. I do believe that this is a dark hour of time, but we are at the very beginning of God opening up the windows of heaven over California. 
People say the state is dead. I would say to all the naysayers that say California's future is dead, that God specializes in resurrection. God resurrects dead states. God resurrects dead marriages. God resurrects dead dreams. Are you hearing me? God resurrects dead businesses. God resurrects dead kids. God can resurrect anything. It takes no faith to believe in death. I want you to know that we believe in a God of faith. We have too many false prophets. You know what the false prophets are of our day? Mainstream media. They forecast doom and gloom, that things will get worse, that the state and time period potential is gone, that the future is dead. But we come as the church standing and proclaiming that God resurrects the dead, that God still does the impossible. We say things like, I know that God can. I know that God will. I know that God sees. And I know that God helps. We serve a God that remembers. Prayers don't die. My grandma prayed for this state. Her grandma prayed for this state. Many of those of our families and loved ones that have gone to heaven have prayed for this state. And listen to me, God has not forgotten their prayers. God will. And I'm telling you that faith is an attractive element that is so attractive to God that it actually makes us act differently. Faith makes us speak differently. Faith makes us pray differently. Faith makes us preach differently. Faith makes us teach differently. Faith makes us heal differently. Faith makes us see the world differently. And I promise you that when you start getting this faith inside of your spirit, you'll start seeing yourself differently. Many people don't realize that God is, God is waiting on us. I always tell people that, you know, I think it's funny and it's goofy that somewhere along the line, society stopped trusting us with water faucets and paper towels. You notice this? Somewhere along the way, I don't know how many people just ruined it for us. I don't know if people were turning water faucets on and running outside laughing. But, but somewhere along the way, they said, you know, they can't be trusted. Let's, let's start doing censored water fountains. Let's start doing censored paper towel dispensers. And what I learned is that that water and that paper towel only starts to turn on when you get close enough to it. And God gave me this picture of faith years ago that you know what faith is? It's saying, God, I'm drawing near to you. I'm not saying that everything we believe for happens, but I am saying that when you press into God, what he wants to happen will happen. My job is not to manufacture miracles. My job is to get close enough to believe that they can happen. Outcomes belong to God. Obedience belongs to me. Come on, say it again. Outcomes belong to God. Obedience belongs. Are you hearing me today? Would you give God a good hand clap this morning if you believe that? We serve a God that can. We serve a God that will. But even if he does not, I still believe. I don't know who you are today, but I just felt like God, this is kind of a simple message. But I, I believe that God is looking for believers to start believing again. You know what it says in Hebrews 6, 12? It says to imitate those through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. Imitate. Imitate. You know what repels God like mosquito repellent? Doubt. You know what attracts God? Faith. Belief. God, I believe that you can do anything with anyone, anytime. You can make a way where there is no way. Say it with me, faith. We serve a God that literally, it says this, we're supposed to imitate those that have gone before us, that their faith and their patience, that they actually inherited the promises of God. 
Do you know you inherit God's promises? Faith. But what's the other word? P word. Can we don't like it? Patience. I'm telling you that, that we inherit when we have faith and we're willing to wait. I believe that God is going to do what only he can do. He's going to give houses to those of you that are believing for houses and jobs for those of you that are believing for jobs and spouses for those that are believing for spouses and healings of miracles in your bodies for those that are believing for miracles. Say it with me. Come on. Believe. I believe that faith is so important. It says that the just live by faith. It says that we're saved by grace through faith. It says that we have boldness and access and confidence with, with God through faith. It says that we're supposed to live and walk by. It says to watch and stand fast in the. It says this, that three things last forever. Faith, hope, and love. I was reading throughout this, you know, over 391 mentions of faith. I kept getting going back to this idea that Jesus was attracted to faith. He said, according to your faith, let it be done. He says, great is your faith. Let it be done as you desire in Matthew 15. He says that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be removed, and it'll be cast into the sea. He says, have faith and do not doubt, Matthew 21, 21. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction, Mark chapter 5. He said these things. He said, your faith has made you well. Over and over again, he says, have faith in God. The apostles prayed in Luke 17, increase our faith. I was reading through all of this. He said to be rooted and built up and established in the faith, Colossians 2, 7. First, first Timothy 1, 5, <clears throat> Paul says to Timothy, watch, I, I'll, I'll, I'll get ready to wrap up here. He says, now the purpose of the command is actually three things. God's commands are about loving from a pure heart, having a good conscience, and from having a sincere faith. I, I read this verse about seven years ago and it rocked me. Do you know, I've, I've been a Christian now for almost 20 years and what I've learned is the three hardest things to do in Christianity is what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.5. The hardest three things to do in, in following Jesus is to have a love from a heart that's pure. Because everything in this world is trying to contaminate the purity of your heart. Trying to give you an unforgiving heart, a bitter heart, a suspicious heart, a jaded heart. Some of you are so suspicious of Christians and churches that your heart has been contaminated. Some of you have gotten scornful because of weird Christians that have hurt you and you think God is going to hurt you. Listen, I'm telling you the three hardest things to do in Christianity is to keep your heart pure, to keep your conscience good. Do you know you violate your conscience when you do something wrong and you don't ask God for forgiveness? I heard one person say that we, we were forgiven by confessing our sins to God, but we have a good conscience by confessing our sins to others. And the last thing I saw in this passage is he says this, it's hard to have a pure heart, it's hard to have a good conscience, and it's really hard to keep your faith sincere. Because you'll pray for some people, they don't get healed. And the devil will come to you and say, well, it didn't happen for them, so why believe for anybody else? You were believing for that miracle, it didn't happen for you, so why would you pray for anybody else? I want to remind you that our faith is not rooted in what if, our faith is rooted in even if. 
even if I'm still going to believe. I would rather die in faith than to live in fear. Are you hearing me? And I believe that God will use people like this that are track, they'll attract the presence, the glory, the presence, the power. When we are a people that say, you know what? We are people of faith. I love this passage and I'll close here. I actually believe this is so powerful. He says this, that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes California, even our faith. Say it again, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. First John 5, 4. I'm telling you that God wants to build up your faith. Jude 1.20 says to build up your faith in praying in your prayer language. God is looking for people that build faith up. We don't need little faith. We need big faith. I don't know who you are today, but I just feel like God is almost provoking people to go, hey, am I believing for anything? Can I ask you right now, if God answered every prayer right now, would anything change? Are you believing for anything? If God answered every one of your prayers, would your life be better or would California? If God answered every one of your prayers, would your family be better or would the nation be better? If God answered every one of your prayers, would your state be better or would the nation or the world be better? I believe God is looking for people that would believe him for, to move. Are you with me today? Would you stand to your feet? I see God coming like a bee in this place. See, being attracted, come on, to that alabaster fragrance of faith. We are believers. Say it with me, believers. You know what oxymoron is? An unbelieving believer. Some of you have more faith in nothing than you do in something. I want to remind you, it takes zero faith to believe for things to fall apart. It takes faith to believe that God can redeem. God can restore. God can resurrect. Anybody still in California believe that God's not done here? My mom believes it. That's clapping in the back. That's it. Who believes that God's not done with California? We don't need thousands of people to believe. I see a few. God has never needed the majority to believe. He's only needed a few. Out of 12 spies, only two of them believed. I don't want to be like those nine. Those 10 spies that were saying we can't. We can't. What if? What if? What if they beat us up? What if they kill us? What if they destroy us? I love, man, I love Joshua and Caleb say, even if. We're going we're gonna to die fighting in that promised land. I would rather die fighting for a promised land than to live in bondage in Egypt my whole life. And there's too many Christians that are like, no, I want to just, I, I miss how easy it was in Egypt. I don't want to go back to my old lifestyle. I don't want to go back to my old vices. I don't want to go back to living like God does not exist. I want to live dying and believing for the promises of God. We're going to be believers. Anybody believe that? Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. It's interesting that in the latter times, Paul says that people will depart from the faith. It didn't say they'll depart from church. It says they would depart from the faith. There's people that gather that don't believe God for anything. And I want to just right now, if I could, I want to evict any darkness in this tent, any darkness online right now. And if you're in here and you go, Mark, I feel like there is a darkness of unforgiveness in me or I've been beating myself up over mistakes. And today, if you believe that God can forgive you of your, of your mistakes, I want to pray for you in a moment. If you're here and you go, Mark, I feel like, if I'm being honest, there is a healing that I believe God can do in my body, in my marriage, in my mind. 
today. Maybe you're here and you're addicted and you believe that God can bring freedom. Or maybe you're here today and you have some sort of sickness or disease and you believe that God can cure it. If those apply to you today, can I ask you in this tent, we're going to have attractive faith to God. Would you do me a favor, if you believe that God can actually right now forgive, heal, if He can bless, He can liberate, would you just begin to lift your hands all over this tent right now? Would you close your eyes? I know it's starting to get hot, but come on, this is the power of God. God's coming in this tent today. He's coming right now, those who are watching online. Our hands are lifted to heaven. God, we ask you to come right now. We open up our hearts to you. We open up our body to you. God, we say that we're your vessels today. Would you fill us up? Would you fill our minds and our hearts and our souls and our spirit? God, we, we open up. God, we open up our faith to you. We don't want to miss this moment. We don't want to be like those of old that missed the day of visitation. We want to capitalize in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you enlarge? Would you quicken? Would you strengthen? Would you give us more faith? We want to be a church of great faith. Come on, if you want faith today, come on, you're, you're believing that God can do anything. Just say it right now all over the room. Just say, God can. Say, God will. God hears. God helps. God answers. Say with me, God is able. We believe it today. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.